I've listened to Brand New Man by Brooks and Dunn for three years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody and welcome back to spin it a brand new episode in the podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james and with me same old man is connor same old man it's kind of not in the spirit of the brand new man album but it's just the truth maybe i'm a brand new man oh maybe listening to this album not to put words in your mouth are you saying that listening to this album made you a brand new man? I'm saying, isn't it like a whole thing? Like, how long does it take for all your skin cells to be completely different? Are you talking like biologically? Yeah. I don't know. Isn't it like seven years or something? All the cells are fully replaced. Man, I'm two sevenths of the way to being a brand new man. Two sevenths? Since this podcast started. Oh, weirdly specific. That's true. You know what? Good for you. 28.5% brand new man. And counting. That's right. Every second. You get a little newer. That's a good way to look at the concept of aging. Anyway, we're not talking about ourselves. We're talking about Brooks and Dunn, one of the quintessential 90s country duos, probably one of the most quintessential country duos of all time, at least on the short list, I think. How much Brooks and Dunn do you know? You've expressed tangential familiarity with country, right? I'm quite familiar with Brooks and Dunn. Quite? How quite? How many songs on this album were brand new songs? Uh, only a couple. Mm, only a couple out of 10. Yeah. Wait, so 28% of you is new. Is it more or less than 28% of the album that was new? Uh, it'd be less. It'd be no more than 20. Whoa. There's only two songs I don't really recognize. You're newer than this album. Well, that's also literally true because it's older than you are. <laughs> so you know Brooks and Dunn. Listen, I don't know if you could have been like a middle school student in the u.s at a public school and not know at least one brooks and dunn song i gotta disagree i really think that's pretty <laughs> unique to us no i've seen stuff on the internet about people being like why did they make us all line dance in in like middle school and people be like yeah that was such a weird thing it is true and i feel like it wasn't just us i don't know i don't know but i definitely i remember it in elementary school before middle school really yeah I, you're right it was elementary school it was like fifth grade. They definitely rounded all up the little fifth graders and threw us in the gym and made us line dance to Boot Scoot and Boogie. That's what I remember. Yeah. I mean, to a lot of songs. Don't get me wrong. It was like an entire like quarter of a year of nothing but line dances. I know. And then they graded us on it. How terrible. <laughs> I remember doing the electric slide. Yep. The watermelon crawl, Boot Scoot and Boogie. Yep. And Soldier Boy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> unreal. An unreal combination. And Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, of course. Yes. All the kicking. I've repressed that. Yeah. It was, it was rough out here for a fifth grader. Wasn't it our school? Wasn't it something like... The year was broken up into quarters for like that one period. And it was like one time... At one quarter you went to gym. One quarter was like music. One quarter was like art. Yeah. And then like the other quarter was gym and music combined in the style of line dancing. <laughs> a blend. And really art too. That's a blend of all three. Very artful. Yeah, really. It was bring them all together. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I guess I should have known you at least knew that one. How awful. What a memory. Well, let's talk about Brooks and Dunn. Let's get to know the duo a little better. Obviously, as a duo, it's made up of two guys. Can you guess who the first one is? Reba McIntyre. No, Reba McIntyre is not 
She's neither Brooks nor Dunn. <laughs> Sorry to say. No, she's done. She's not done yet. She's still going strong. You're right. She's still going strong. Well, no, the first one I kind of expected you to say is Brooks. <laughs> Leon Eric Brooks the third, better known by his stage name Kix Brooks, K-I-X, was born in Shreveport, Louisiana in 1955. After he lived in Louisiana, Alaska, and Maine, quite literally, like, all over the country. He moved to Nashville in the early 1980s, started working as a singer-songwriter. His first solo single was called Baby When Your Heart Breaks Down. It charted at number 73 on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart, and he also put out a self-titled solo record in 1989. So that's half this duo. Should I even bother asking you to guess the other half? We've eliminated Kix Brooks and Reba McIntyre, so your odds are slightly better. <laughs> Do you want me to guess? Give it, give it your best shot. Tim McGraw. No, sorry. We already did the episode on Tim McGraw. Oh, oh, oh my bad. My bad. Uh, Brad Paisley. Nope. Sorry. That's 0 for 2. Th- three strikes and you're out. Patsy Klein. Nope. That's three strikes. Nope. The second person in Brooks and Dunn, aside from Brooks, is Dunn. <laughs> Ronnie Dunn, to be specific. Born in Coleman, Texas in 1953. He went to college for psychology, but he started singing and playing bass at local clubs, and he decided that music was really his passion. That was what he wanted to pursue. So he tried out the music scene in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a couple years, and his solo career kicked off with a pair of singles. It's written all over your face, and she puts the sad in all his songs. They hit number 59 on the country charts, but unlike Kicks, he wouldn't get around to releasing a full solo album for a couple decades yet. He just was a singles guy, much like you, for a little bit. But that's where they're at when, in 1988, Ronnie Dunn wins. A talent contest sponsored by Marlboro Cigarettes. Why on earth? Marlboro sponsored a nationwide talent search contest? I genuinely do not know at all. But the grand prize was $30,000 and 40 hours of time in a Nashville recording studio. Apparently, he beat out 3,800 other bands to win this prize, which is incredibly impressive. So Ronnie Dunn heads on down to Nashville to book his little recording session. That session was produced by notable producer Scott Hendricks, who sent his recordings along to Tim Dubois, an Artista Nashville exec. Dubois says, Hey, I have a great idea. I really like your songwriting style, and I also think it would go really, really great with this other up-and-coming writer that I know, Kix Brooks. What if you two got together, made a country duo? They both said, Yep, let's do it. Let's duo it. Ha. Boo. I deserved it. You did. <laughs> But it did not take long for Brooks and Dunn to hit the ground running. All that happens in 1989, their debut album, Brand New Man, came out mid-August 1991. They are a brand new band. And of course, as you probably guessed, it's a very country album. Wikipedia calls it neo-traditional country, which I kind of agree with. That's a lot of what people were up to in the 90s and the you know the late 80s. Look at Reba, right? Like you already called out. I'll be honest. In the year of healing, I don't want to lie to you. Okay. I knew Reba wasn't in Brooks and Dunn, but I just needed to get her on the spin cycle. Okay. Again, I don't think that's really how the spin cycle works, <laughs> but I appreciate your candor. That does make me feel a little better, you know, to say, wow, I love Brooks and Dunn. I know Brooks and Dunn so well. <laughs> yeah, I really expected a little more from you. <laughs> What's interesting about Brand New Man, I think it's, it's cool to see how the songwriting was distributed throughout these 10 tracks. You know, we'll go through it a little closer, but a lot of these songs feature the co-writing abilities of Don Cook. And while some songs, like Brand New Man, My Next Broken Heart, and I've Got a Lot to Learn, were written by all three, some were just written by 
Brooks and Cook, including Cool Drink of Water, Lost and Found, and I'm No Good. Ronnie Dunn ended up with two solo written tracks on this record, and they're two of the most memorable from the whole album, Neon Moon and Boot Scootin' Boogie, which is just kind of wild to me. That is interesting. It makes me wonder why Ronnie Dunn was not a writer on those three songs that only Brooks and Cook did, or why Brooks didn't do any solo songs. I'm not sure. Brand New Man was supported by five singles, including Brand New Man itself, My Next Broken Heart, Neon Moon, Boot Scootin' Boogie, and Lost and Found, four of which went on to be consecutive number ones on the Billboard Country Singles chart. Lost and Found was the odd one out. It hit number six. But this was the very first time ever a country group managed to top the charts with their first four singles, which is so remarkable to me. I just can't believe that. On the whole, Brand New Man peaked at number 10 on the Billboard 200 and number 3 on the U.S. Country Albums chart, where it would stay for 190 weeks, over three and a half years, as a matter of fact. The whole album has been certified six times platinum in America, three times platinum in Canada. It's been a remarkable seller. And one thing, actually, that's interesting about the success of this album is it helped revitalize line dancing across America. I mean, we talked about doing it in gym class, you know, 15-some years later. But also, it started a real craze. Line dancing kind of died down at the time, but honky-tonk tracks like Boot Scoot and Boogie kicked it right back into full gear. Like, how cool is that, that a single album can revitalize an entire genre of dance? Yeah, they really did kind of... They started the craze. I mean, yeah. line dancing like existed, like you said, before... Bootskin Boogie, but like when Bootskin Boogie came out, it was like one after another line dance after line dance song. Just they all took off. And now everybody's line dancing, dancing in a line. Then the brand new man grew up into a hard working man, which is the title of their second record, which would contain a few more big singles and earn them a few more Grammys. Between 1991 and 2007, Brooks and Dunn would put out 10 studio albums altogether. And then they decided it was their last rodeo. They agreed to put on a big last rodeo tour and retire on good terms, more like brothers than good friends, Dunn said. They did some TV specials. They did some tributes. They earned an ACM Milestone Award, and proceeds from one of their tribute shows were donated to flood relief in Nashville in 2010. The city had really awful flooding, and they helped out with that. Their last concert in Nashville was in 2011, and it helped raise money for the Country Music Hall of Fame. Nice. I mean, their last concert in Nashville, then. So they broke up amicably, then worked on some solo records and some other projects, but it definitely wasn't the end for them. They reunited for some shows as a part of Reba's Las Vegas residency. Does that count? As Reba being in Brooks and Dunn? No, just as her being on the spin cycle. Oh, no. I feel like she has to be like a featured artist in a song, or have also released the same song, like we did with Blondie and Miley Cyrus. Hmm, noted. Also, when they reunited, they helped contribute to a massive collaborative track to celebrate the cma awards called forever country oh in 2019 they announced a new project called reboot which is awesome where they re-recorded old hits with guest appearances from modern country stars which i think is a really cool concept a lot of songs from brand new man made their way onto reboot too there's a new version of boot scoot and boogie yep you could scoot your boots even further for a whole new generation of children to, to, line, to, dance line, to line dance to too. elementary schools everywhere sorry kids unless you love line dancing then you're welcome <laughs> well i can't really you're welcome on behalf of brooks and dunn probably i don't speak for them i would assume i'm in over my head anyway <laughs> <laughs> just back right out of that They've also continued to do one-off songs and shows and appearances. 
They've been guests on The Voice. They appeared at the 2019 Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. They've worked on some soundtrack songs for movies and TV shows. It's just kind of cool that they're doing their own thing their own way nowadays. Really admirable and probably very fun for them to not have that kind of pressure to stay a band and keep putting out content, you know, record after record. They can just take what projects they enjoy. As far as accolades go, they've always been pretty big philanthropists and given a lot to hospitals and education in Tennessee, earning them a CMA Foundation Humanitarian Award. They also hold an annual Rock the Barn concert to raise money for charity and for cancer research. Their other awards include 23 Academy of Country Music Awards on 67 nominations, including very, very many Vocal Duo of the Year, Entertainer of the Year awards, uh, five American Music Awards on 20 nominations, all of which were for Favorite Country Group in 1997, 2000, 2002, 2004, and 2005. That's a lot of years in a pretty small window. They've earned three Billboard Music Awards, a Blockbuster Entertainment Award, a BMI Award, a 2005 People's Choice Award, a CMT Award on eight nominations, 17 CMA Awards on 46 nominations, dating from as far back as 1992, actually. Some of the earliest awards the duo would win. And they've earned two Grammy Awards on 15 nominations. In 2008, they made it onto the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and in 2019, they were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. So that's Brooks and Dunn. Now it is time, once again, for that infamous show of games where the mixtaper comes out and tells me, asserts a fact about Brooks, Dunn, or both of them, and I have to tell you and him whether it's true or whether it's false. What a conundrum. Mixtaper, are you ready? Uh, yeah, I think he's ready. Get him over here. Get him on over. Let's play some fact or spin. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. How you doing? You feeling like a brand new mixtaper this week? 28% of one. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, compared to last week or how, like, what's the reference point? The beginning of the podcast. Oh, yeah, if you're two years old, <laughs> then I guess it'd just be in general. Literally. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. What kind of facts you got this week? Some real spinny ones. I don't like that. Give us a like a sneak peek. What can we expect in the upcoming four facts? We've got some dancing of the lines Uh-oh. with cows and alter ego presidential campaigns. What? <laughs> oh boy, we've had presidential campaigns before. Hank Williams, we said, spoofed the presidential run, but that didn't happen really. Mm. Well, that was a good teaser. I won't assume anything off that, but let's get into it. What information there? are you most interested in hearing about first? Let's start with the line dancing. We've talked a lot about that. I think that's a good way to jump in. Good. That's the one I was going to start with, regardless of what you said. Oh, great. (laughs) They started the line dance craze, as you and Connor talked about, and actively tried to stop it. Actively tried to stop it? Did they not like it? Weren't a fan. Really? Why not? I guess it's reductive, right? It, like, boils their music down. The the song is now nothing more than a... They actively spoke out against the dance, saying it was pointless... It was a pointless thing to do. They banned it from their concerts what? because people kept getting hurt doing it. Oh, okay. Now that I can believe. And they tried to sue the creator of the dance. No way. How can they do that? It's just a dance. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't win. I think probably because the judge said the exact same thing. <laughs> well, true. True. But why are they so against it? Like, that makes your, that's major popularity for your song, isn't it? Boots Scootin' Boogie, I presume. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They just didn't like it. Tried to sue Bill Bader. Oh. 
Is he the inventor of the dance? He is the inventor of the dance, or at least the one attributed with it. It was originally called the Vancouver Boogie um, because he was a choreographer in Vancouver who came up with the choreography for the dance and started teaching it and helped spread it eventually spread to the united states where it got renamed maybe it was a money thing maybe all the money that was being generated off of the dance off of the the dance no well just from where he was you know i assume he was getting paid to teach people it and i know like bars and stuff started doing like line dancing nights and lessons like maybe there was a bunch of money that they felt they were missing i don't know i'm trying to think of why they would sue or what they would be suing for i don't know i, I would think it would increase their money People would hear the song and be excited by it and want to buy it, listen to it. Maybe. I don't know. Have it on the radio. Hard telling. So I don't thoroughly, like, no, no. Is this the first line dance in existence? No. I didn't think so. So line dancing can be traced back to the round and square dances of Europe in the 1970s. Right. Like a square dance, but three less sides. Yeah. There's kind of a bit of debate on what counts as a line dance but most people tend to agree that by 1970 it was an official genre of dance sure so it's established people are already line dancing but like well like we uh you and connor kind of said boot scoot and boogie followed very closely by achy breaky heart mm. were kind of the two songs that really made line dancing become a mainstream thing and then after that it was just one thing after another the macarena swamp thing five six seven eight yeah so when the line dance like have they come around on it now that it's so popular and everyone knows it and fifth graders are forced to dance it like do they still hate it or are they cool about it i don't know okay i'm gonna say this one is a fact locking that in it's a little risky trying to sue the creator of the line dances. Sorry, what was it uh, a couple episodes ago you accused me of doing whatever I wanted you to change the answer? Yeah, well, sometimes you got a little eager to tell me to confirm what I was doing. Oh, you're, lock- you're locking in fact? You're locking okay, it in? Chill. You're locking in fact? I'm locking in fact, yes. This is a spin. Oh, darn. <laughs> How spin? I mean, all the stuff about the line dance history was true but no they didn't hate the song they didn't hate it okay never sued the guy well that's good i was gonna say i can't really imagine that it would make them mad or make their song less popular you imagined it enough to say a fact (laughs) yeah we don't talk about that it's a brand new fact let's go next one pretend that never happened all right all right what piece of information are you next curious about i kind of want to hold off on the president thing Okay. So we did the lines. There's a cow in there somewhere. Yeah, and there's alter egos. Oh, oh, the alter ego president's not one person running for president as one of them. (laughs) No. I combined those in my head. (laughs) Let's move on to the cow. The only other cow fact I can remember from this podcast is that you asserted someone performed on a cow, and that wasn't true, but very funny. Well, since you like it so much, we're going to save it for last. Up next, their music has been used in two presidential campaigns. Oh, man. <laughs> that probably means the cow fact is really fun, like really cool, yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it closer to final ramp. So two presidential campaigns, huh? First of all, which songs? Only one song. Boot Scoot Boogie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but one song twice, huh? Uh-huh. Only in America, mm. their 2001 single. Okay, so that gives us a limited number of presidents then. Which president or presidents or presidential candidates? I mean, based on the fact of when they became a band, we were pretty limited on it's true. presidents. <laughs> Fair point. By George W. Bush in his 2004 re-election campaign and by Barack Obama in his initial run and his re-election campaign. Oh, so th- 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 this is already a spin. It's been used in three presidential campaigns based on what you just said. Oh, well, that's... Okay, by two different presidents. 
Okay. Interesting that that's like bipartisan. Yeah. I've actually not heard the song that in any capacity that I can remember. Would you like to go listen to it real fast? So you have a little context? Yeah, maybe. Let me take a quick listen break. We'll be right back. Da 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 da. Okay. Good song. I see how that fits a presidential campaign pretty well. Yeah. It is interesting that it's bipartisan like that. That's what I was saying before. You know, Republican presidents and Democratic presidents have used it. And winners, really. What you're saying is... This is a winning song. It's a winning song. Right. Funny. I think a lot of times nowadays politicians try and use songs and, like, get cease and desists from artists that don't want to be involved or try and stay out of it. Yeah. They, I mean, didn't do that, right? This sounds like it happened without issue both times. Yep. That's cool. I don't know what else to ask. Is there other information? Nah. Okay, well, their music has been used in three presidential campaigns. I think that is probably a fact. Locking in fact? Well, Locking it in? It is a little <laughs> strange, isn't it? Using it twice. Obama used it twice. He did it once and it worked and he was like, you know what? That was so good. It wasn't his other motto like change. He said, it's so good. We're not going to change it. That's <laughs> ironic, but okay. Yeah, I'll stick with fact. Wonderful. This is a true fact. A true fact. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a good song. Thanks for introducing me to that one. Yeah, but you've never heard that song before. I, again, if it's been around for three presidential campaigns that I've lived through, I probably have. <laughs> I don't know how they used it, but in my head, I imagine, like, they finish their speech or whatever, right? And everybody starts applauding, and the music kicks in, and it's right on the line. <laughs> kicks in. One could be president. It just comes in. One could be president, and then the beat drops for the chorus, right? And it goes to the chorus. Yeah. Like, that's how I would use it. Well, they all were presidents. Everyone that's used it so far, maybe it's the golden ticket. Other people who have used the song, that's not the only that's not the only time the song's been used. No. It's been used by presidents. Also, John Kerry, Newt Gingrich, Scott Walker, Mitt Romney, Ted Cruz, and Donald Trump have all used the patriotic tune. Politicians that have won elections, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, now you know. Uh, spin it out there. If you ever want to run for president and you want a little easy <laughs> tip to victory... Definitely statistically <laughs> probable that you will win if you use this in your campaign. Yeah. Brookson won. <laughs> I like that. Now on to some alter egos. Alter egos. They have them. <laughs> right. Okay. We've had some alter egos before. Uh, we also had a whole fake Fleetwood Mac. It's not like that, <laughs> yeah. right? Where there's different Brooks and Dunn's up there. You're talking no. like they have. This is them having alter egos in sort of a... Uh... Garth Brooks and... And Chris Gaines. They have Chris Gaines versions. Yeah, Chris Gaines sort of situation. No way. But they don't sing as their alter egos. What do they do? Tell liner note stories about them. Mm. Curse digital albums and their lack of liner notes. So tell me more about these alter egos in the liner notes. Each of Brooks and Dunn's albums includes a short story about Slim and Howdy, Brooks and Dunn's fictional cowboy alter egos. Mm. Which one's which? That's a great question. I'm going to choose to say Slim is Brooks and Howdy is done, just so the order stays the same. Right. What does Slim and Howdy get up to? What are their shenanigans, their adventures? I don't know, but if reading the liner notes after this isn't enough for you, you could go check out the novelization of it. The novelization? They made a book? Yeah, called The Adventures of Slim and Howdy. Well, that's fitting. Which, uh, that one I do know the story of. It follows the pair from a chance meeting in a used car lot to Baymont, Texas. Through a series of hijinks as they save the day with Jody Lee, an old friend and honky-tonk owner who gets kidnapped. Oh, kidnapping. High stakes. But I have no idea what the liner notes do. Well, and probably a lot of things <laughs> if they put one in each of their, like, ten albums. Maybe the liner notes tell the story that's in the book. I don't know. I've never actually 
owned a physical Brooks and Dunn record. Hmm. I think I believe this. I think this seems like a thing they would do. It's cool, right? Unique. It is cool. It's a fun story. So that means you're locking in fact. Mm-hmm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and lock in fact. Lock in fact? Yes, for the second time. This is a true fact. True fact. Alter egos. Slim and Howdy. That's pretty great. Howdy is a great name for a character. Yeah. I mean, Slim, Slim and Howdy's a good name for a duo. Yeah, it is. Should we have come up with, like, alter ego names before we started the podcast? Well, who's to say we didn't? Nobody nobody knows our real names. Listen, I know a thing or two about alter egos. That's the mixtaper. Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows who I really am. Do you have an alter ego, though, or are you just the mixtaper all the time? I mean, my birth certificate does say mixtaper on it. Right. That's why I'm confused. Do you have a non-mixtaper persona? Yeah, when I do good in the world. What? You... What? <laughs> <laughs> you do good in the, that doesn't make sense That's, once a year i put on my alter ego and go like volunteer in a soup kitchen oh like opposite day okay yeah pretty much well last but not least we've got that long-awaited cow fact that brings us to the cows what's this cow fact kicks once lost a cow in a bet we're going through a cow heavy stretch lately are we <laughs> just gotta say you're really in a cow mood what kind of bet is he placing on his cow he didn't really place a bet on his cow it was just the cow was the was the prize yeah he wagered his cow in a bet about about steak well so a cow was a part of the bet (laughs) that's true (laughs) was this like an eating contest uh a food challenge you could call it a food challenge sure you could but was it i could call anything a food challenge (laughs) do you count a restaurant owner claiming that their specialty hot steak would bring him to tears as a food challenge? Yeah, that, they're spicy food challenges. What did they do to this poor steak to make it cry-worthy spicy? Their signature spicy rub. We gotta we gotta flesh out the bet here. Goes to this steak restaurant uh-huh. and says, hey, I'd love to eat one of your steaks. I think it's important to know why he went to this steak restaurant, to the steakhouse. Sure, enlighten me by all means. It's because he had a show in 2015 on the cooking channel called Steakout with Kix Brooks. Nice. In which he traveled around America in search of the best steakhouses. So it is like a TV show thing, very much like Man vs. Food. Yeah. So he shows up at the steakhouse for his TV show. The owner says, this steak will make you cry. I'm willing to bet on that. And uh, Kix Brooks says, yeah, right. If this steak makes me cry, I'll give you my favorite cow. Oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Kix raises beef master cattle on his farm just outside Nashville. Yeah. And, yeah, he basically said that if the steak could was truly as spicy as the guy said it would, he would give him his best cow for the restaurant, donate cow to the restaurant for making steak. Interesting. And what does the owner have to give up if he eats the steak and doesn't cry? I don't know. I didn't watch the episode. Oh. Well, but so clearly he lost the cow in the bet, you say. Yep. That means the steak was so hot that it brought him to tears? Yep. Did he finish it? I don't know. I didn't see the episode. I think this is a spin. Go and spin. I knew he would. Well, I knew he would. I could hear it in his voice. Well, but betting the cow is a pretty weird thing to bet. <laughs> How many cows does he have on his farm, roughly? I don't know if we established, but it's a farm. There's probably a lot, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he has a whole ranch of them, apparently. Yeah. Pretty normal thing to bet, I think, in a show about steak. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think this cow bet happened, and he didn't cry. 
I bet he won. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's no fun to say that he retained his cow in a bet. The fact is way cooler if he bet a cow and lost it. Mm, this is a spin. It's a spin. How how spun? How, how uh, 100% ma- uh, 95% made up. Wow. Okay. Is the TV show real? Yeah. Is the cattle farm real? Yeah. That's the 5%. <laughs> okay. It seems like that was maybe a little more than 5 Like. That was maybe 28.6% of the fact. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the rest was all spun. No spicy steak, no challenge, no cow wager. No. Wow. Well, that was well done. That was a well done fact. (laughs) That's a good week of factor spin. I had a lot of fun with this one. Once again, you messed it up. It was supposed to be 50-50. You should have called that one a a fact. After, you know, last week, I just thought I'd take what I could get here. But no hard feelings. It's just, you know, Connor played last week. I'm coming off a week off. You know, I'm still uh, still trying to find my rhythm again. Well, you better have it figured out next week when we're back for a whole new round of fact or spin. Really? You could have said a brand new round, like brand new man. That's what I was going for. Well, but you said a whole new round. And- uh, I, I, messed, I messed it up. The album's not called whole new man. <laughs> I'm the worst. Please. Please let me do another thing. It's not the quantity of the man that's new. It's the please the brand. Please no. Please. I wanted. I was trying to make a good reference. Okay, fine. You're healing. You better have it figured out next week for a whole. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> well, you better have it figured out next week for a brand new round of fact or spin. There it is. Yeah. All right. Ooh, what a blast. Welcome back, Connor. I have returned. Indeed you have. Thank you for letting everyone know. <laughs> and now it's time to talk about the album cover, which honestly is just Brooks and Dunn looking really cool in a longhorn skull. Yeah. That's really it. I like it. It's great. I think it's simple, and I think that's great for this album because it's a simple album. Yeah. I like the choice of font. Yes, let us now analyze the choice of font. And the teal ampersand. Mm-hmm. I think had the ampersand been a different color, there would not have been enough variety in the name Brooks and Dunn color-wise. You know, you would have got tired of looking at that yellow, beigey color. Yeah, and I like that the yellow kind of matches the yellow shirt and the white mm-hmm. of the skull matches the white shirt oh you're right and the black background at the top behind the text matches all the black in their outfit it's true you know what very color coordinated album cover a lot of subtlety in this one and the kind of neon looking lights in the background like a neon moon like a neon <sighs> moon oh no I knew this was oh happen. no i knew this was gonna happen and i the moon arrow continues i i was gonna talk about that when we got to neon moon but when you just said it it, it made me remember oh no i didn't even think about We're it still in the moon era big time <laughs> well we've only got 10 tracks to talk about so this should be short sweet and awesome because i love most of these 10 tracks all right let's do it i know right let's do it they're actually really short tracks too much like we had with ariana grande a few weeks back a lot of really quick tracks here only one of them is over four minutes only like a handful are over three minutes but up first is brand new man itself title track and the debut single of brooks and dunn it peaked at number one on the country charts when it came out so brooks and dunn became the second ever country band to have a chart topping debut nice i know yeah they would have been the first but diamond rio's song meet in the middle beat them to it by three months what a bummer what do you think about Brand New Man? Not one of the two new ones to you, I'm sure. No, it's... Listen, I've seen the light. I've been baptized for a long time. There you go. You're Brand New Man. I think it's a high-energy song, starting off with a chorus right out of the gate. Yeah, that's a great choice, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Got to agree. It's always a good time, and it tells us what the song is about right away. And they choose some really interesting imagery in the chorus, like you talked about, you know, being baptized with fire and born again. It's like this quasi-spiritual experience to be in love with this woman, and it's high emotion, very powerful. And once we establish that right off the rip with the chorus, the verses kind of serve as flashbacks to what his life was like before he met her, before he was born again, which gives us a nice point of comparison for when we return to the chorus. And then the second verse blends past and future. It definitely does not fall victim to the second verse curse, where the second verse just fails and flops and doesn't advance the plot or the song enough, you know? Yeah, no, it absolutely does not. It's great. However, I will say, here's the one bad thing I have to say about Brand New Man. Okay. It may have one of the most boring instrumental fills ever during that interlude. It's like one chord most of the time. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't know if I agree. I don't remember it being boring, but maybe it's just I was so hyped up on the rockin' chorus. Just hyped up and ready to be listening to it? Yeah. Yeah. It starts at right around 154-ish. And then it plays through like the entire length of the verse. And the beginning part is just one chord. They change it up at at the very end. And then they go back into the chorus at about two minutes and 10 seconds. But that stretch is a little, I I think the song could do without it. Honestly, I'd put something else there. No, I like it. I just listened to it. I think it's a nice break between the two choruses. Well, I mean, there needs to be something there. Sure, it's the same chord, but the, the speed and the rhythm of it fits perfectly with the song and i think it's again it's simple it's a simple interlude for a simple album yeah fair enough that does make a lot of sense i like it i mean i don't really dislike it like i said that's the one bad thing i could say about this song and it's not like it's the same chord for for that long it was like what six seconds seven seconds of it doing ding 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 it wasn't even that long no, but I just I expected it to do more, and it never did. Like it was, it was long enough that it didn't get boring for it being the same note, in my opinion, because I was like so wrapped up in the rhythm of it that it was doing. Yeah, fair enough. Their 2019 reboot re-recording of the song features Luke Combs. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to check that reboot album out. That sounds like a good album. I know, right? It's their greatest hits, but new and cool. It's a cool way to do a greatest hits. I think so. And to add modern country people, really like honestly expand your audience you know the Mm -hmm. people that are luke combs fans now are going to listen to that and go oh brooks and dunn if they didn't already know because luke combs i mean he also featured them on his uh one too many song do you know that one yeah good what would have happened if i didn't nothing really there was no consequence it was a good opportunity for you to have said i don't know but it would have been significant Uh, well if you're going to point out every time i could have done it i'm saying well that what you just said right there Gave me my next broken heart. <laughs> my next broken heart is track two. It's their second single, and obviously, subsequently, their second straight number one hit. This one's got a bit of a classic country feel to it. That steel guitar is where it's at. I like it a lot. Yeah. The guy's out meeting a new woman, and he knows right away, right from the start, it's not going to work out. He's working on his next broken heart. What a fun angle for this song. It's not a thing you hear a lot. They're really good at choruses, in my opinion. Oh, yes. The chorus in this is so great. Yeah. Not only the melody being really fun and sing-alongable, but also, lyrically, it's so strong. I thought all along you'd be the death of me, but I met the one tonight who wants what's left of me. That's great. You know, like, you already broke my heart, but this person wants whatever I can salvage, and then she's going to break it, too. That's so cool. And they lean into their chorus, too, because the structure is kind of unusual in this song. They start with two verses... And then it's like nothing but choruses. Well, there's that guitar solo and... Well, yeah, true. But lyrically, yeah, you know, they say all they need to say early on and then ride that wave to the end of the song. Boy, is that great. Yeah, I like the structure. 
I just, I don't know. I wish they would have done something there in the verses. I don't know what. Maybe they do something different in verse two. Like build upon, like you establish a beat and a melody, right? In verse one. Maybe if you're only going to do those two verses at the beginning, maybe do something fun with that in verse two, since you're not going to be able to do anything fun with it in the traditional like verse three that would come after the chorus normally. I don't know. Yeah, I can get that. The back-to-back same verses, it can get a little obviously samey. Yeah. But otherwise, really, again, nothing bad to say about it. No, not really. The reboot version of this track features John Party, but... When they approached him and said, hey, what should we do differently on our version, you know, to make it special? John Party was dead set on not making any major changes to the song. He thought the original version was just too good to be tampered with. Hmm. And so they kept it pretty much by the book. Nice. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think that shows that he has a lot of respect for them as artists and for the song and the tradition of it. And it's cool to change things up. But sometimes, you know, it's neat to also just respect the classic like that. It's cool. Speaking of cool, that drink of water is pretty cool. Would you like a drink of water? I sure would. A cool drink of water. Track number three. This is just a fun Hang song. Hang on, let's I... redo that transition. I've got a good idea. Oh, okay. You know, you go, speaking of cool, and then I should go... You know what else is cool? And then I should go... <coughs> well, maybe with a little less cough. Would you? Do you need a drink of water? Yeah, yeah that'd be great, thanks. If the cough was part of it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. That was, that was going to be my transition. Coughing? Yeah, because then you oh, can... We've really gone downhill. You think, you think it's cool that I start coughing? You go, oh, would you like a drink of water? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. And you go, well, lucky for you, the next song, cool, drink of water. Oh, okay. Do it for real. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Say your line again. <laughs> now you're really coughing. <laughs> Speaking of cool... Jeez, <clears throat> oh, great. Those people are going to love listening to that twice. You're supposed to say your line. Say... It sounds like you could use a cool drink of water, and lucky for you. No, you messed it up again. You're supposed to ask me if I want a cool drink of water first. I haven't said I wanted one yet. Do you want a cool drink of water? Uh-huh. Now we gotta do the whole thing again. Come no, on. No, we don't. I can edit it together. <laughs> this is the worst. All right, all right, from the top, you're lying. Speaking of cool, <coughs> do you want a drink of water? Sounds like you have a cough. Now nah, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> cool drink of water is up next. <laughs> Track number three. Honestly, it's just high energy and fun. What a blast. I really love Cool Drink of Water. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's fast. Fast paced. Fast, fast paced. Darn right. This girl's a wild card. You know, he talks about buying her a ring. She pawns it for a dress. He takes her to a club. She's tearing it up. She's speeding down the road, doing 90 and a 20. And when she's pulled over, she sweet talks her way into a phone number from the cop instead of a ticket. So that makes her one cool drink of water, I guess. (laughs) It's it's. Kind of a mixed metaphor here a little bit. But hey, whatever. She's unpredictable. She's got that wow factor. She does what she wants. She might be the devil's daughter, but she's cool. I like what they do vocally with the, she's a cool. They go like down with it. Yeah, and then build it all up with the, the layered vocal parts. Yeah. It's nice. Only duos can do that. You know, solo artists only have one voice. They can't pull it off as easily. Because they go, she's a cool drink of water. She's a cool. They just keep going and like kind of... The same, and then and then that third time they go, she's a cool... Cool drink of water. And I like that. That's a good... Yeah, that's a nice little play. <laughs> it's so fun. One thing I love about this, unsurprisingly, is the guitar. Yeah. There's a really great electric guitar sound in here, and everywhere on this album, but it's just so punchy and plucky and exciting. I like the piano on this one, when they come with the dong, 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 dong. Yeah, that is a major standout. It makes it feel very saloon-like. Yeah. Which, I mean, honestly, a lot of their music is again that neo-traditionalist it's like modern saloon rock 
really, in, in a lot of places. Yeah. Which is an interesting new niche. This is just great. Another track that feels very honky-tonky to me is Cheating on the Blues. Number four. Yeah. It's a little country shuffle for you. And it's built around this fun little metaphor, cheating on the blues. You hear that title and you go, what the heck does that mean? What are they talking about? Well, they set the scene. They're in a bar. All the people in this bar have been dumped by their significant others. So the metaphor we get into is they're all living their lives like it's a blues song. Everyone's sad and miserable. It's not a good time. So instead of getting cheated on, they decide to take things into their own hands and cheat on the blues with happier country music. Party and shake it till the break of dawn. Basically a metaphor for let's go do something fun to make us happy and not sad. That's pretty much the song summed up in one sentence. Basically they walk in and go, being sad sucks, let's go do something else. And they're like, okay. Let's cheat on the blues, let's cheat on the sads with the happies. Now, this is, I mean, by the Spotify numbers, one of the least two popular songs on the album. Is this one of the ones you didn't know? Well, it's interesting how little Spotify plays this album has in general. I mean, even Boot Scoot and Boogie only has 15 million. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's 15 million fifth grade classes. Mind dancing. <laughs> yeah, I knew this one. Okay. That's kind of what I figured. To me, it's not one of the ones I would have expected you not to know. Oh, really? But I had to check. Which one do you expect me not to know? I think it was probably the last two tracks, or I've got a lot to learn. Two of those three, I think you did not know. Fair enough. But we'll see. One track I know you definitely knew is Neon Moon. Love Neon Moon. The Moon Era Continues. Neon Moon is so dang good. Again, that Ronnie Dunn solo right. Unbelievable, right? Wild that he just wrote this song out of his own brain by himself. So good. It's their third single, third straight number one, and honestly has to be one of the best tracks on the album. I feel like I knew this track even before I knew Brooks and Dunn, before I even knew Brand New Man. Mm. Well, maybe not before I knew Boop, Scoot, and Boogie. But when I was in fifth grade, I didn't care who it was by. I think <laughs> Brain New Man was the first song that I heard from Brooks and Dunn where I knew it was Brooks and Dunn. Fair enough. And then I guess I just felt like I knew Neon Moon already. When I first heard it on this album, I like looked it up to see if it was a cover from someone else. And no, it wasn't. The pre-chorus is so pretty. Yeah, it is. The whole melody is really pretty, honestly. It is. The way he sings Neon Moon is just... It's got so much like heart in it. It does. Well, and it needs to. The speaker of the song... You know, spending his nights under a neon moon, under the neon lights in a bar, thinking about a woman he's lost. This album, fundamentally, like, sounds so happy. So many of these songs are sad. I know. But, wow. He says, I got a table for two way in the back where I sit alone. You know, he really puts us right in that situation with him. And after telling this woman where to find him, you know, I'm still at our table, still at the same bar. In the chorus, he addresses her directly. It says, if you lose your one and only, there's always room here for the lonely. Because he's keeping that space open for her. It's just so sweet and sad and longing. It's just a heart tugger of a song. Yeah, you're right. It's just so sad. That second pre-chorus, but I'll be all right as long as there's light from a neon moon. Like That's basically saying, I'll be all right as long as I can come here and get drunk and drink away my pain. Yeah, and like wait for you. Like, that's so sad. Yeah. Now, what do you think about the guitar solo for this one? Loved it great okay yeah don't worry no no bad things to say about this one particularly honestly it deserves to be the longest song on the album and also this song's reboot version features someone we know quite well yeah resident alien lover casey musgraves wow that's a good pick Uh uh-huh she was on the reboot neon moon she's from episode two so if you are interested in an episode about casey musgraves and to check out one of the earliest journeys into podcasting we ever did 
you could scroll way, 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 way back in the feed and find it at number two. Yeah, before we knew what we were doing. Yeah. Not that we know what we're doing now, but we have a better idea. We're good at it now. <laughs> we're all right at it. But that was like early podcast days. You ever lose something? Always. You ever find something? Never. Oh, well, a good place to start looking for the things that you've lost may be the lost and found. Mm. Coincidentally, totally not planned at all. Wow. How did we get here? Lost and found happens to be track number six on this album. Whoa. Now, I got to say, lost and found was a Lil Wayne effect song for me. I never heard of the song ever until I listened to this record. Really, genuinely, probably not once. Suddenly, it was everywhere. Now, I hear it every three or four weeks, just out in the wild. I hear Lost and Found, and I'm like, yep, there it is again. There it is again. There it is another time. Lost and Found in a border town everywhere, all over the place. Interesting. Mm-hmm, I know. Not the one I would have thought would have been a Lil Wayne effect, but it was. It's all about trying to track down this woman. Once again, sad song. He's lost her, and he's alone, and it's impossible. He says he's left her home alone for too long, and now she's taken off with someone else. It's so hard to find that girl when she gets the urge to go. It's kind of like a lost and found in a border town asking about a diamond ring. Basically, what he's trying to say is you're never getting it back. Yeah. She's gone for good. Which isn't the first time we've talked. I mean, we just talked about in Cool Drink of Water about how she priority got rid of the diamond ring or whatever. Yeah, she buy the ring and pawn it. Yeah. But in Cool Drink of Water, it's painted as like a good thing. You know, she's a wild card. The devil's daughter. She's so cool. Like, I'm all about it. In this song, it's like, shoot, I knew this would happen. I've made mistakes, and I let the distance between us get too great for too long. It's like the flip side of that same coin. Verse 2 is so solid. A lot of really solid second verses on this record, which is not always the case for a lot of albums we talk about. He says, I know she'll be coming back. He talks about how her unpredictability is what I love about her best. Lord, I gotta find her quick before she does something I regret. What a mind-boggling line. They don't write country songs like that much anymore. Mm -mm. This was one I did know. Thank goodness. Well, it's one you thought I might not. No, not Lost and Found. I got a lot to learn is the one I thought. Oh, I thought you said Lost and Found, but maybe not. I sure hope I didn't. Only one way to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you said you hadn't heard this one before until you got a little wind effect. No, the first time I heard this was listening to the album. I honestly thought this one was going to make my top three. And then it didn't. Ooh, really? Is that because something edged it out later? Yeah. Well, that means, oh, maybe that's one you didn't know coming in like a dark horse later. Maybe. Well, let's find out. We're down to four tracks left, four opportunities for that replacement to happen. Starting with, I've got a lot to learn. What a short little song. It's less than three minutes long, and it's two short verses and a short chorus twice. That's all there is lyrically. But, man, it's so powerful. That steel guitar is carrying a ton of weight it's really what supports this song through and through i like the line but now there's no one listening for my footsteps yeah yeah another uh fundamentally sad (laughs) post-breakup song he's in a honky-tonk alone just like neon moon he's not thrilled by it he's become jaded after his ex left him and yeah now no one recognizes his footsteps he just walks around unknown and unnoticed it's super sad it's just an interesting way to describe that yeah well i think it really goes to show honestly more than painting a picture of the situation he's in now it really shows us what it was like before 
when he had somebody so excited to see him that she was listening for his footsteps. Now, I will say this is the first song and only song, I think, that I had a problem with lyrically. I had a bit of a you-can-do-better-Brooks-and-Dunn moment. Oh, really? What lyric? I just didn't care for the triple line, the last three lines of the chorus. I always thought she'd take me back, but she taught me a cold hard fact. That was kind of a meh rhyme for me. And then just the whole premise of she taught me a cold hard fact. When it comes to love, I've got a lot to learn. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't care for that. I felt like they could have done it in a more clever way. Really? No, I kind of like that one because what she's teaching him, what he is learning is that he has to learn. Well, yeah. Right? It's kind of cyclical like that. It's He's just learned that he knows nothing. Sure. I get that. I just, I just don't care for the line, but she taught me the cold hard fact, I guess. Because it doesn't work well with back, the line before. Mm. And I just don't like how it sets up the when it comes to love, I've got a lot to learn. Is is it one that you didn't know? Was this new? Uh, no, I knew this one. Darn. Well, you didn't have a lot to learn then. When it comes to I've got a lot to learn, you had nothing to learn. Uh, <laughs> up next, the bane of fifth graders trying to learn to line dance everywhere. Boot scootin' boogie. Get down, turn around, go to town. Out in the country, past the city limit, lot sign. <laughs> I mean, really, he's got such a distinct voice. I know. I think that's the thing we haven't mentioned yet. But what a singing voice! It's true. Great. It's so the high register, the tenor. Yep. Really strong. The tenor with a country twang. Big time. I think it's great. Boo Scoot and Boogie is a good moment for us to shed those sad, bluesy feelings from the last literally like four tracks. I like to imagine this is what they went out and did when they were cheating on the blues. Oh, they did the Boo Scoot and Boogie? Yeah. Totally. That's my new head cannon. Man, the chorus though. Ugh. I'll be on my deathbed, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, go on. <laughs> It's, just, it's one of those things that I'm never going to forget, you know? Yeah, you'll be on your deathbed doing the boot scoot and boogie? <laughs> yeah, I'll just be on my deathbed, you know, the little thing that's checking that I saw of a pulse going beep, 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 and I'll be sitting there mumbling going, yeah, heel, toe, do do <laughs> Like, it's just ingrained in my head for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of is. My little old man wrinkly feet kicking. <laughs> Let's go, boot scoot. And the nurse is going to be like, go back to sleep, please. Please, you keep you keep setting off the heart monitor. <laughs> Cadillac, blackjack, like, what are you talking about? Get him more morphine. It's a fun song, but guess what? Here's the thing I learned. It's a cover. Yeah. This is the only song on the record that is a cover. It was first put out by the band Asleep at the Wheel. Brooks and Dunn put it out as their fourth single, and you guessed it, but also if you were paying attention, I already told it to you. It was their fourth straight number one. Imagine doing that. Imagine putting out four singles and them all four going number one, and I would have a hard time not going, man, this is pretty easy to do. (laughs) Right, I know. But here's the thing. Here's about Brooks and Dunn. They put out a single, you know, it goes to number one. They put a song in a campaign, you go to presidency. Like Brooks and Dunn, they're winners. I think you were right when you said Brooks and won. Brooks and won. They win. Boot scoot and boogie. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly have no complaints. None. Honestly, the perfect line dance song. And now that I'm like looking at the lyrics and thinking about it and listening to it, there's no way I should have said that they hated the line dance to it. (laughs) I really dropped that ball. (laughs) And, and what's more... That would have been a perfect week for me. Yeah. <laughs> I totally should have said, absolutely not. What's wrong with me? Hindsight 2020. History makes a fool of us all. Uh, no, I'm telling you, I'm no good. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I'm no good is track 
Number nine. And the first one I didn't know. Finally. Oh, I was right then. It's the last two that you didn't know. Well, spoiler alert. Yes. Uh, well, I think it's pretty <laughs> deducible. If this was the first one you didn't know and there's one track left after this and you didn't know two of them, it's kind of how it ends up. I'm no good. Boy, it's fun. He's begging this woman to come home and save him from drowning in the abundant whiskey in this honky-tonk. He's no good when she's not around. Emphasis on the no good. It does make me wonder if we can put together a concept album out of all this. I honestly think we can. All right, let's start over. Track one, brand new man. No, no, no. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is I think as a concept album, most of it, I think it's built around, you could build it around a lot of different characters in the same bar feeling the same things. Yeah, that's how I would do it. All the stuff like My Next Broken Heart, Cool Drinking Water, Neon Moon, Lost and Found. Yeah, how we talk about cheating on the blues is all those different people in the bar who need to go out and have some fun. That's them coming together later on. Yep. And then Boot Scoot and Boogie is the good time, and maybe we end with Brand New Man because they've all Mm. seen the light, been baptized with fire, and had that good time and recovered, like fully been reborn. I like it. Yeah, I do too. It's an interesting cast of characters. I don't know. I like I'm No Good. It's also an interesting pivot in terms of song structure. This one has really no chorus, just a little two-line tag at the end of each verse and kind of a turnaround bridge in the middle of it all. You know, that helpless when I'm tempted part. So was I'm No Good the one that bumped, what, Lost and Found out of your top three spot? Or I've got a lot to learn. I'll have to find out. I guess we'll find out. I think I'm No Good, honestly, out of the ten, would probably be in my bottom two or three. Not because it's bad, Right? But just because the rest is so good. I will neither confirm nor deny that sentiment. Fair enough. But as the ballad guy, I gotta think you really enjoyed Still in Love with You. If I had a horse. But <laughs> off in the sunset. I have to say, I think Still in Love with You is the perfect album closer. I couldn't believe I didn't know it. Oh my gosh. I couldn't either, really, to hear you say it. Maybe I do know it and I just didn't realize it, but I didn't recognize it. I don't know. The chorus is about riding off into the sunset. You cannot end a Texas-style country album better than that. Oh, it is just, first of all, gorgeous. Second of all, so fitting, thematically. If I had a horse, I'd ride off in the sunset. If I had wings... Fly off in the sky so blue. I can tell you really liked it. Yeah, seems to have really taken a hold on you. Also, I can't help uh, having listened to the chorus. I can't help but think a Pegasus would solve all of this person's problems. They want a horse and they want wings. (laughs) And so I I think a Pegasus is kind of the perfect answer to that. Yeah, you're right. It really is a blend of the two things they need. (laughs) Yeah, basically, there's been a breakup just before the song starts. He's getting in a cab, driving away, feeling empty and left thinking there's just got to be a better way of telling her goodbye. And those better ways, right, riding into the sunset, flying into the sky. But the best way is for him to wake up from the dream of leaving and still be in love with her. I'd ride off in the sunset. <laughs> he can't keep singing it. I know. I'm sorry. I know it's emotional and so, so good. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> I know. And every time you get to the chorus, you just start singing it. I can't help it. Because <laughs> it's irresistible. He's headed back to Louisiana, hoping he's going to be the kind of memory that makes you want to take me back in your arms again. What a beautiful bit of lyric. This is a sweet song, you know, just kind of wishing things could have ended differently if they had to end at all. It is. It's a really great ending to that chorus. And if I had the time, I'd spend my whole life dreaming. Then I'd wake up still in love with you. Like, what a cool way of saying that, like, he's never going to get over them. Yeah. 
it's again it's kind of a it, it brings me to uh ray stevens when i get over you you know all the things yeah, that he's gonna yeah. do that he'll never actually do because he'll never get over them it's kind of a similar sentiment darn right it is uh, just perfect end to the album really i have no further comments what a fun record what a you know a good series of heartbroken songs yeah in the most straight up countrified way you can imagine them so much fun let's get into final spin let's do it yeah well i've said a lot of what i need to say it's just such a fun easy high quality record probably about as good as 90s neo-traditional country gets i would say darn near the the pinnacle given music in 85 a lot of these melodies especially on the choruses are really memorable Lyrics I'm given an 82. We get a lot of interesting characters, a lot of unique takes on breakup songs and sad loneliness songs. And the second verses consistently like one of the hardest parts of a song to do right. They absolutely nail, almost without fail. Instruments of production, some great steel guitar. The vocals are crisp and clean. It's a tight record production-wise. There's not a lot of room for movement. You know, everything is very inline and rhythmic and guitar picking. Super awesome. 85 there. And for the overall vibe, Swell. I'd call this album Swell. 84. And that puts its overall score at 84.9 and lands it at number 276 on my ranking list. Wow. 276 is no slouch. Yeah, 276, not bad. How about you? What do you think about Brand New Man? I think it's a great album. Nice. You know me, my country uh, music tastes tend to be older country. There's like, there's like prehistoric country. Like your Hank Williams. <laughs> and there's like... <laughs> I don't know about prehistoric. I mean, you could go all the way back to the Carter family, but we won't do that yet. You know what I mean? It's just like there's the old, old country stuff. Then you have like your, yeah. your classic old country, your Johnny Cash's, your... Your 60s, your yeah. 70s. I mean, the outlaw country. Yeah, then you got like the 80s, 90s, and early thousands country as like its own little era mm-hmm. and then you've got like all modern country and i think my tastes fall in that 80s 90s thousands era country for the most part okay yeah that's a good era it's a good range sometimes i delve back an era one era back into the 60s but for the most part that's where i stick as for this album my top three in album order yeah brand new man mm. neon moon well big jump boot scoot and boogie really that actually surprises me what did i put boot scoot and boogie in the top three i guess if you're gonna be singing it on your deathbed <laughs> maybe not but it's a good song <laughs> i don't know if it would have been in my top three yeah sure it is and uh my carnival mention the beat out lost and found still in love with you Ooh, it won as it should have if it had a horse it would ride off in the sunset <laughs> as for my score I'm giving this one a pretty easy 9 out of 10. An easy 9? Whoa. Yeah, no debate at all that this was going in my 9s. I am a little surprised. Where in the 9s are you putting it? I don't know. Easy 9. Somewhere. (laughs) I listen to that album and I go, that has to be a 9. Then I look at what's in my 9s and I'm like, man, tough competition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tough, tough. I know. It's going at least above Montero. Okay, Well, based on what you just said about sometimes delving into earlier eras, but also being way more inclined to like this country more than the older stuff, I would not be super duper shocked if you put it above Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. That Yeah, I mean, I got that run of country right there of Emmylou Harris, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson. I'm going to have to go listen to those again, I think, to determine if this one beats out, which one this one beats out. Yeah, well. It's weird how all my country is kind of lining up together. 
<laughs> it is very close. Do I have any other country in my nines that isn't right there? No. I mean, the Eagles maybe with mm. soft rock, but not. It's like southern rock, not really country. Yeah. No, all the stuff that has country as an official label is all together. It's interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. As for a unit, I think this one gets nine embarrassing middle school memories out of ten. That's good because people who see it will be like, what does that mean? And listen to the episode and then learn about all our embarrassing fifth grade memories i guess i should say embarrassing elementary school memories but that's so many syllables middle school memories is it's got a better ring to it yeah solid well we don't know where it's going but it's going somewhere somewhere in with the rest of the country pack as for playlist picks i think you and i are about to have a hard discussion right now (laughs) i think so this is a rough one it's a rough one let's start with neon moon I think that has to be in the discussion. I think it has to be on the playlist. I don't know how you don't take Neon Moon. Good. Great. We're in agreement. It's the second one that gets so hard. <laughs> You're darn right. I mean, really hard. If I'm looking for a second playlist track, I'm thinking I go down the list. If Brand I new man. That'd be great. My next broken heart. That'd be great. Cool drink of water. That'd be great. Sunset. Cheating on the blues. That'd be great. Lost and found. That'd be okay. I got a lot to learn. That'd be okay. Booze Boogie, to me, would be okay. I'm no good. Eh, still in love with you. That'd be great. Like, I kind of want to pick still in love with you because it was the unknown one for me that kind of surprised me. The surprise. But then we got two big ballads. It's true. Which, I mean, I'm fine with. Yeah. It just, I hate to not take Brand New Man. Okay, so then that means Boot Scoot and Boogie is not really in contention for you? Well, uh, I just know I'm not going to get you to agree to that one. It would be. But you kind of eliminated that one for me. Well, I don't know. It's not a hard limb. I think it'd be a classic pick for the playlist, especially with how much we talked about it all podcast. <laughs> You're right. It kind of was, yeah, what this episode centered around in a lot of ways, despite it not being my personal favorite. Okay, I would I would let it happen, I think. A bit of a basic pick, but... It would be, and it's got that iconic sound to his voice. I think that song, I think Bootskin Boogie really shows off his iconic sound. Okay, but consider this. Consider this. I'm considering. Do you really want both of Ronnie Dunn's solo tracks? <laughs> he wrote by himself both Boot Scoot and Boogie and Neon Moon. I knew this would happen. <laughs> I feel like we should maybe get some kicks and cook representation in there. You're right. I think we do. I think we got to. All right. So we'll eliminate Boot Scoot and Boogie, sadly. Just on the basis that Ronnie Dunn wrote it. <laughs> so again, to me, I'm between Brand New Man and Still in Love with You. Unless you got anything else you want to throw in the ring. No. No, I don't. I think Still in Love with You is a good pick, honestly. How fun. I don't want to be like the protagonist in Still in Love with You and have regrets about not taking it. Uh, but I'm sitting here listening to Brand New Man. And I'm like, man, it would go really well with Neon Moon. You know, the two different styles. I saw the light. I've been. Yeah, I know. Bop. It's true. All right, we'll go with Still in Love with You. I agree. I agree. We need to. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this brand new episode of Spin It. You made it to the end. Hope you had a good time. I know we did. I sure I did. If I had a horse, I'd ride off in the sunset. Yeah. I'm listening to it again. It's time for us to ride off in the sunset. <laughs> if you've never been line dancing, go fire up Boot Scoot and Boogie and learn that Vancouver, what, Boogie? Vancouver Boogie, yeah. Learn it. Uh, you'll get in on the craze. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll be coming at you next week with another great album from another exciting artist with a ton of facts and trivia and fun commentary you can find out more information about everything we do on the web at spin it pod official on instagram and threads at spin it pod on twitter x everything (laughs) 
And on our website, most importantly, no matter what happens in all those other social media platforms, our website is www.spinitpod.com. That's where we always will be. And that's it. Tell a friend about the podcast. Tell someone who you had to square dance with when you were in elementary or middle school about the podcast. Commiserate with them about this. We're still not over it. Why should you be? (laughs) And like, rate five stars, follow, subscribe, all the fun things. We're everywhere you listen to podcasts and then some. And until next week, ride off into the sunset, fly off into the sky, and keep Keep spinning. spinning. I mean, you almost cried when you ate that hot chicken. Now I want to try some hot steak. Yeah. I don't think it would be as good as hot chicken, but... I don't think it would be. What do I know? I don't know. They do, like, the spicy steak, you know, at, like, Chipotle and stuff. Spice and steak can go together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Certainly can. Hey, Kix Brooks, if you're out there, if you make me a spicy steak out of one of your cows, I'll give you one of my best cows for it. Yeah? Yeah. Don't tell them I don't have any cows. <laughs>